Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Change on the Run podcast, where we discuss common change challenges and ways you can address them when you're short of time. And I'm your host, Phil Buckley. Today's topic is building your confidence during change. Confidence is the most important trait leaders and managers can draw upon when navigating through the uncertainty that comes with large transformations. People perform at their best when they're confident they're doing the right thing given the circumstances they face, when they know what to focus on and what to do next. Without confidence, their fight, flight, or freeze response is triggered and their thinking, actions, and behaviors can be hijacked by the need for self-preservation and survival. This can make them be at their worst when they need to be at their best. So how do you build your confidence so you can fully leverage your knowledge, your skills, and your behaviors to successfully manage change? And my guest today is Sam Buckley. Sam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. It's great to have you here. Sam is the Senior Sales Analyst, Walmart North America at Weston Foods, based in Bentonville, Arkansas. Sam, how would you define confidence? You know, I think the number one thing is, if I had to boil it down, I'd say it's emotional assurance in the face of ambiguity. It's one of those things you can only really see in contrast. You know, anyone can be confident of a sure bet, and many people can feign confidence externally when they really don't feel it within. But true leaders have a true belief in their people and in their own abilities to navigate the challenges ahead of them, even when they're unanticipated. Yeah, it's not interesting because I, I think you can look confident and not necessarily be confident, but there are certain leaders that regardless of what happens to them, they're in charge and they're moving forward. Right. I think people focus a lot on the outward appearance of it, like the bravado kind of like, I'll stand up, I'll handle it no matter what. But the truth is, like, it's really an emotional response to your internalized belief. And I'm wondering, when, when you do see a leader that, that has that ability, what do you think is the impact that they have on people around them and also what they're trying to work through? Yeah, yeah I think the number one thing is you just unlock the potential of yourself and others around you. If you don't trust people to be able to do things that they haven't demonstrated they can do in the past, they never will. And that's true for yourself as well. You need to be confident in your ability to navigate the uncertainty ahead of you or you won't. So that, that's definitely the number one benefit. I think there's also an efficiency aspect. I mean, if you constantly had to check if you left the oven on when you were leaving the house, you'd never leave the house or it would take you 50 minutes to do it. So I think it accelerates your business if, if you act confidently. And then the last thing is I think it really improves your interpersonal relationships. The truth is if you see the people around you as dynamic people, like capable of growth and not as just like a list of limitations, they feel respected. I, I think the number one sign of respect you can show people is to trust them to do something that's just at the edge of their comfort zone. It shows that you believe in them and that they can grow. Yeah, that's an interesting one for me because a couple of uh, assignments I was on and talking to uh, leadership teams and, and I got the impression that they didn't trust 
that their people would be able to accommodate the change. And, and, and that's been the reverse of my experience, that if, if you raise the bar and, and show confidence in them, they'll ne- they're rarely or almost never will disappoint you if you give them the tools they need. And, and the more they started talking about how concerned they were that people wouldn't be able to you know, raise the bar, the more I started thinking, well, are you really talking about your people or you're talking about yourselves have you ever right. seen that when this well i'm really concerned whether you know the, the, the child can walk across the street by themselves and you know or, or you know i'm really concerned that we're doing this new systems implementation but will they be able to understand something new i, I just think it just puts a, a pall and a, a negative energy around growth as you say for sure for sure sometimes you see leaders who are just kind of helicopter leaders who try to like micromanage every single thing through a change. It's like, if you don't trust your people to be the subject matter experts and to be able to handle the adversity ahead of them, you're just gonna slow them down and make them second guess themselves. I think people self-sabotage when they think there's a kind of a black swan in the works or an unknown unknown. And if you keep acting like they're gonna screw up very simple things, they won't see through the entire task to its completion. They won't make decisions that'll benefit them in the long run. They'll be very focused on those individual steps and not getting caught with their pants down. So yeah, for sure. I think what the the leader conveys from the outset in terms of confidence really lets people realize their potential. It's it's interesting you say about that short-termism, about, you know, focusing on that one task at hand instead of seeing the the bigger picture and and all the different steps that are required to move forward. Can you think of anything that that you've seen, you know, just where where a leader has been so focused on step one uh, that she or he might be missing a bigger piece about leading people to the the conclusion of of being successful? The truth is a lot of the time leaders, they're they're there to be focused on the vision and the, the broader broader piece, but they don't actually know the intricacies of each step. And and that's not their job. But if they get too focused on the granular there, they can actually sabotage the people because they're, they're so focused on one step at a time. But there may be decisions that the leader doesn't know about that need to happen to eliminate rework in the future, right? Like there's certain ways, like in my experience in Beneville, where I can set up a report that it will be able to adapt to kind of the changing conditions. But if at every step they're focused on, well, this number needs to be there, this number needs to be there, I can set it up in such a way that it's going to have to be completely redone later on. So yeah, I I think the leaders at the start really just need to define what is the overarching goal and what am I flexible on? And you just have to trust your people to set it up to achieve that overarching goal. A lot of uh, companies right now or organizations are looking at building change capability within their organization. And and some I found in, in conversations with their leaders is that they'll say, well, really, you know, the the senior leadership team, they're really doing the job of the director because they, they're getting too much into the weeds and the directors are doing the jobs as the managers and the managers are doing the jobs of the people that, that are setting up the, the different activities. So almost they've trained themselves with micromanagement to do their team's roles versus doing that visionary role that happens when you're really focused on you know setting people up for success. Why do you think leaders or managers fall into the, well, I'm going to do, I'm going to do my, my team's role. Like what's the trap there that they can fall into? Yeah. I I think it's just that underlying insecurity. It's, it's not 
confidence in your team. And that just is a misunderstanding of people. You know, people really can go above and beyond themselves and they're constantly growing. And if you don't have that belief, which I think comes from experience of trusting people, you trust people and then they outdo themselves. You trust people and they outdo themselves. You kind of ingrain that sense of people will rise to the occasion. And if you don't believe that wholeheartedly, they won't. And you'll sabotage them because you'll constantly be testing them on the little things when really your job is to be focused on the big things. Oh, certainly. And, and I think for leadership teams that, that realize that dynamic, they have to lead the they have to lead the change by not micromanaging their teams and, and then it cascades down. For sure. And, and I know you've been even through restructures, you've been through enterprise system upgrades. As you observe the the leaders that were leading that moving forward. How did they convey confidence? Like, what did they look like? What did they say? What, what did they, what, what was their essence of, of how they came across that you go, hey, that leader is really confident? Yeah, there's one example that comes uh, directly to mind, and you can tell they did a good job because I get so excited even just thinking about it. But Weston has a distributor network across Canada that does direct store delivery. And a couple of years ago, we were integrating SDP into their ordering system. And there's kind of three things that stick out to me that the leader did from the outset. And one was clearly defining the vision and the value of the end state. Like the, it was very much easier to be confident in the minor decisions we were making when we understood where we were going and that we're all on the same page. So, you know, you can make one decision that your leader doesn't necessarily understand, but you know, it's a building block towards what they're getting. And as long as they're checking in and seeing that it all adds up to the end picture, you kind of feel empowered. The second thing that I'd say is that he gave us roles that kind of stretched our capabilities kind of right on the edge of our comfort zone. And that makes you feel like you're growing and makes you want to invest your time into this specific project when you may have 10 competing priorities. Then the last thing I'd say is he gave us the autonomy to really make those micro decisions that add up to the big thing. It's it, he didn't try to micromanage everything as we've been talking about. One example of that, one thing I was responsible for was getting the pricing of individual items to show up on the handhelds. And without going into too much detail, that actually turns into a very complex thing that unless you're very hands-on about it, you don't understand the intricacies of that. And, and if someone was just interfering at that point, I really think it would have shot the whole project in the foot, but we were able to get that through. Again, I think what really scares people is just like not knowing what's coming or not knowing what threats could come. And the leader's job is to kind of reduce that ambiguity as much as possible. If everybody knows the rules of the game and everything is open air and sunlight, then people can really make decisions that will pay off in the long run. No, that's, that's great. And, and I'm wondering, is there any value of a leader saying, we don't know exactly what's going to happen and potentially there's going to be things that we haven't considered. So no plan is perfect, right. but I'm confident in the team's ability to tackle it, but don't expect perfection. Expect that regardless of what we find, we'll be able to nail it. Is there any value or is that linked to confidence in any way? For sure. For sure. I mean, the worst thing they could do is say that you're just going to ace everything is set up this unrealistic expectation. This leader in that particular case, the thing I think he does very well that other people can't quite strike a balance of is just very high expectations for you balanced with a very concentrated belief in you or whatever. It's almost like he has so much confidence in you that you feel like you have to rise to that expectation. You know, it's like he's almost selling the belief in yourself 
right to you, which is very interesting. And, and I think that's something most leaders could aspire to. It's almost you, you, you give an example like that where there's a great leader, confidence builds confidence in you and your team of what they're able to do. Do you think you can do that at an organizational level? Like, can you just kind of, could you have all leaders or most leaders kind of instilling that uh, confidence and having high expectations? So you, you really have a winning organization based on those traits. Yeah, I think really it's about instilling that underlying belief that people are more than they are currently and then they're constantly improving. And I think the only way you can really form a belief in people's mind is if you give them exposure to it. And so the more you can highlight people's wins or the more you can highlight how they overcome adversity, the more people will have belief in their own people below them to do the same. And just, I think, positive reinforcement and just trumpeting every time somebody succeeds like that will really help develop the culture to be more confident in their people. Okay, let's take a look at the other side of the coin when leaders or managers don't have confidence. And I, I think as we've been talking that our level of confidence is manifested in our behavior. So if you are feeling confident, you look at, you exude confidence. And when you're not, you don't. And when I'm leading workshops on how to lead change and, and, and how to sort of build your confidence, Sometimes I'll put in an exercise to talk about what people have seen when they've observed someone who doesn't have the confidence that they need and what types of behaviors they see when they just say this person just really isn't up for the challenge at that moment. And some of them are anger. For some reason, the leader just starts being angry all the time or the leader is silent. You know, usually they're talkative and, you know, where's Phil? I haven't heard Phil for the whole day. Or they're poor listeners and they jump in and they, um, they cut people off and, and they're just trying to get to the finish. Uh, reactive decision-making, so they abandon how they, they actually make decisions, whether it's looking at the fact base, what's the issue, what are the alternatives, and what's the best one. They make a snap decision that's not really based on, on much or they completely avoid making decisions and, and they hide from them uh, under the guise of getting more research or more information to make a better decision. From your experience, what one do you, have you seen the most or which ones have you seen when you've said, hmm, they just don't look like they're as confident as they need to be? First of all, I just want to say that's a fantastic list and I cringed every time you mentioned uh, any of them. For me, it really breaks down into two types of unconfident leaders. And the, the first one is the micromanager helicopter leader that we've talked about so much already, where they're so focused on the details that kind of the vision gets lost because they're not doing their job. And the second one is the avoidant leader who just lets you make lots of decisions on your own, doesn't engage when their people run into problems. And that kind of produces a, a very queasy uneasiness among people where they just feel like they're just adding onto top of a house of cards and they've made a bunch of decisions and, and now we've strayed so far from <laughs> the actual leader's guidance that one gust of wind could knock it all down. I really think the role of the leader is to make sure that the decisions of their people who are the subject matter experts align with the overarching goals of the change. And of course, you see both of those types because it's very emotionally difficult balance to maintain. And given that there's different levels of confidence, let's say in a full leadership team or, or across all managers, uh, and, and some just do it so well and others just, you know, are, it's, a, it's a growth gap for them. Do you think that confidence can be taught? Confidence to me is the result of something that can be taught. It's the, it's the emotional response to that underlying belief that we've talked about so much. It's like people just need to understand that people aren't station wagons. They're Mars rovers. And over time, they can handle very difficult terrain. They just need 
you know, the investment and, and the time to grow. I think you can teach that because I think it's, it's definitely true, but like most things you learn it through experience. And so the more you can expose people to seeing the people around them grow and to not see them as kind of that list of limitations that we've talked about so much, I think the better and more confident they'll be going into big initiatives like that. Typically, when people talk about being confident, they focus too much on like, the external bravado or the demonstration of that kind of thing. But really, it's all about forming that underlying belief. It, it is that mindset. And, and the challenge is, regardless of when I'm going to face, I have a mindset that I'm going to get through it, or my team's going to get through it, and, and we can move forward. And, and they, you know, perhaps the best way, and this is your point, the best way to build you know, confidence and, and the ability to be confident is to expose people to situations where they haven't done it before. And, and it's the old uh, adage where, hey, someone had 20 years of experience in their job. Well, did they have 20 experience in their job or did they have one year experience that they repeated 20 years over? <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's actually, it's a sales joke and, and, uh, and it's funny. And, and in, in a way it's tragic too, because if, if you're not putting your team members into new situations then they always will feel less confident when it when it's they're forced into it i think it's a muscle you know the, the more you're exposed to new situations the more comfortable you'll be going into new situations so the more time and energy an organization can invest into developing their people the greater the results will be so how about you sam when when you're building your confidence how do you how do you prepare yourself? Because an organization can create an environment to help you, you know, build that muscle. But then there's also the muscle building requirement of the individual. So what do you do? Your confidence is response to you know how you handle ambiguity. So I think the more time you can put in the tank, just becoming a subject matter expert and actually putting in the work and knowing your stuff the more confident you're going to be in general. I don't think there's a shortcut around that, really. You just have to have hands on everything. And when and somebody asks you about it, you'll find you're much more confident in your answer. You know, most things are pretty simple once you've seen them. And most challenges are scary because you don't have all the information. But if you have all the information, you put in the time. I think you'll find you're much stronger than you initially felt. No, so true. And I wonder if you've had this experience and some of the leaders that I've been coaching, they've gone into a situation, whether they're presenting to you know, a very important meeting or a client meeting, they might have even done it quite a few times in the past. But for some reason, something goes through their head and they went from walking into or being on a Zoom call confident and then something switches and they're not and they're feeling insecure and then start having those, you know, you know, palpitations and that thing. <laughs> have you ever had that? Because I, I think a lot of people have. Have you had that? Like, hey, I'm going to nail this and all of a sudden. Doo, 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 oh, doo, yeah, doo. I, absolutely. Absolutely. I think you could get caught up kind of thinking how other people per are perceiving you and what's that famous adage like you wouldn't worry as much about what other people thought of you if you realized how little they actually do a cco of our company once gave us a piece of advice on presenting is that nobody really cares what you're talking about <laughs> it's all about how you deliver it and and the more you're thinking about how you're sounding the more distracted you're going to be the truth is like if you do know your stuff if you you probably know it way better than the people you're presenting it to or else they wouldn't even be listening to you and so just don't even think about what they think. Just say what you think it is. But yeah, definitely been caught with my pants down before. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, that's what makes you strong. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. I, funny, really early in my career, I went in and there was a, a leadership team that, that was one of the first times I presented to them. And I, I knew my stuff. I was all ready to go. And then I, I looked at the CFO 
and in my head, I thought, he's really important. And I lost <laughs> my first two minutes that I'd memorized and, and got there. And, and one thing a leader told me that might be helpful to the listeners and, and ourselves is that if that does happen, you name the emotion. Like, look at me, like you objectify it. Look at me, I just right. feeling, and then you can move on and, and see it. So we're, we're in a, a challenging time now for all businesses or all organizations where, you know, the landscape is changing so dramatically and, and leaders will be faced with multiple challenges and multiple transformations, you know, for years to come. Do you have any advice for leaders as they embark on their new journey? When you're going into any change, the first thing you need to do is define which goals you have are flexible and which are inflexible. And I think you can really narrow down your role in the task just by understanding what are the necessary elements. Because the truth is that other people on the team are better at accomplishing kind of the, the micromanaged little details there. So I think you'll immediately feel more confident when you realize the, the scope of your task. And those elements that are flexible is where you can really empower your team. Then the second thing I think you should do is focus on how your teammates can grow from this. You know, I, I think if you look at a change challenge and you only think of people within their current capabilities, um, you may feel like you're a little under-resourced, but the truth is that everybody's going to grow. And so if you think about what this change can mean for them, it will also make it more important for them. So they'll invest more of their time in your specific initiative. And then from there on, I think your, your full role is just eliminating ambiguity so that people are all pulling in the same direction and people feel comfortable making decisions. Like the more you can make it straightforward, the simpler it will seem from your perspective and the simpler it will seem from other people's perspectives. So kind of the reality will meet up to your expectation of this being straightforward. And again, that just comes into comes back to putting in the time and, and thinking things through to their logical extent and what would need to be true for you to accomplish your overarching goals. As you're moving through the change, I think it's really important you continually engage people to make sure that the decisions they're making reflect your goals. But the easier you make it at the beginning for people by making it simple, the more confident you'll be and the more confident the people working under you will be as well. You talked at the beginning, and I love how you, you said as you go through the change, is there any advice for a leader at the end of a change? So the system was implemented, the restructure happened, the merger happened or whatever. Is there, any, is there a role for confidence at the end for leaders or is it a done deal and then we kind of move to the next challenge? I think you have to reflect on, on what you've done and how the people around you rose to the occasion. I think that's actually one of the most important parts of the entire thing is it's instilling those takeaways and making people feel more confident for the next change. You know, it's if you show where they were like a month ago versus at the end of your SAP implementation, people feel so much more confident moving into the next one. So I think a lot of leaders are so quick to move on to the next thing without really extracting the resource of the positive reinforcement they could be delivering right there. So if a team was about to go through a change, what advice would you have for the team members that are actually kind of driving the day-to-day -day activities to make it successful? Yeah. Number one thing, put in the time. You know, you don't want your ignorance or lack of putting your hands over it to be the problem at any point. And like you can only get that through exposure. You just need to engage with it as soon as possible and and make sure you're keeping up with your end of the bargain. Like you're, you're, you're only going to feel that kind of fear of the black swan or the thing coming out of nowhere if you don't know 
what you're dealing with. And you can only know what you're dealing with by getting your hands on. The, the second thing I'd say is you want to make sure you communicate transparently with the leader the entire time. We talked a little bit before about that kind of house of cards feeling where you're stacking your own assumptions on top of your own assumptions and it feel like everything can crumble. What I found in large changes, they, there's a lot of pressure for things to go well. And then there's a lot of almost... Um, inducements to present a rosier picture than what you really have. So, oh, we're green, meaning, hey, we can continue forward, but maybe we're not because we don't want the leadership team or the, the steering committee to be upset. And then it just completely explodes at the end because the view, the official view is we're great and, and we're just not. How do you develop that confidence to, to call it? If there's something you're keeping from your manager, like that may be the thing that breaks you down. I think all you can do is communicate transparently and, and hopefully you won't be over punished. For <laughs> but the truth is that you'll be punished much more further along if you don't tell them right away. So. No, that's true. And I think that's a, a definition of, of leadership when you can just be forthright. One person once said to me, well, I'd rather only be hit once than be hit at the beginning and at the end. <laughs> I don't think that's very leader-like. And, it, um, and, and that spirit of change on the run is, you know, there's not a lot of time to say, well, give me 48 hours and I'll come back and I'll be confident and address it. You're hit with it and you have to nail it right then and, and move forward in a confident way. If you were faced with something like that, what would be the 80-20 the one thing that you would do that would allow you to just you know jack up your confidence and, and act appropriately? Any thoughts on, on that if you had no time? My general recommendation is always put in the time, but if we don't have time, <laughs> <laughs> all you can do is eliminate ambiguity. You just have to be completely transparent the whole way. I'm just making reasonable decisions, communicating them as I go. And that's all you can do. If everything's out on the table, that's who you are. And don't try to pretend to be something you're not. So yeah, if you have no time, be transparent. But if you have time, be the subject matter expert. No, that's, that's great. And, and I think if you, if you didn't do that, that you just become less confident <laughs> because you're hiding or whatever. And, and as you say, it's only going to get worse. Oh, yeah. It, lies demand to be serviced. Like once you put one lie, it creates a chain of lies and you're just covering up and, and hope you never get caught and then you're distracted. If everything's out in the open, 100% of your focus is on succeeding. And I think that's where you need it to be to succeed. Do you have an example where that happened, where, you know, something came up and the immediate response was to deal with it versus hiding or waiting? Absolutely. And I think 2020 is definitely the year of broken expectations. <laughs> For the past year, I've been in Benneville, Arkansas, kind of reporting on and, and forecasting seasonal cupcake demand. And when COVID hit, everything went topsy-turvy and, and it was looking like sales weren't going to be what they were expected to be for certain seasons like Easter. And we just had to, to call it and, and tell the customer right away, because if you hide it to the end, then they're going to have a lot of product in their hand and, and they're not going to know what to do with it. And then they'll be asking even bigger questions. So I think we just had to get ahead of that one. And I'm thankful to the leaders who were involved in that for being transparent with the customer. And I'm happy that I was transparent with my leaders. Now, what a great example of, of calling it, being confident that you're going to work through it and, and mitigating any potential losses. And I'm just wondering, as, as we're rounding off our conversation today, is there a last thought or a watch out or a piece of advice that you'd like to share with listeners about being confident as you manage change? Yeah, I, I think I'd just say that 
people should appreciate that they're so much more than what they've done in the past and that they've conquered so much throughout their past and they had to grow to do that. And so any expectation that you're not going to grow in the future is completely misguided. And I think that should instill confidence in everybody. Great. Excellent advice. Thanks so much. And thanks very much for being on the Change on the Run podcast. And how can people get in contact with you? (laughs) Definitely just through LinkedIn. That would be the best way. Sam Buckley, give me a shout. Fantastic. Thanks so much. And also, I'd like to thank our producer, Charlie Buckley, and thank you for listening. And if you're interested in learning more about the topics we discuss on the Change on the Run podcast, the Change on the Run book is launching on March 2nd. So please check out the details at changeontherun.com if you have the time. And until the next time, I wish you all the best as you lead change.